most of us come from fairly uh, middle class backgrounds of course mm. today the scenario may be different uh, and so so we have all seen uh, how our parents uh, managed in very limited means and suddenly you know you get a sum of money which is almost unbelievable uh, you've never seen that kind of uh, money uh, and, and and so every day i mean we just couldn't figure out what to do uh, you know i i had just turned 30 Welcome to Outliers. Uh, it's a podcast with Outliers. And uh, today I'm really excited to have uh, Abhishek Sinha, uh, founder of Echo, uh, a long-term uh, warrior when it comes to uh, the whole fintech space, if I may call it uh, now. I mean, of course, uh, Abhishek has been at this much before fintech became cool and, and sexy like we see today. Uh, the, the reason I, I, I really wanted to have uh, this conversation with you, Abhishek, and sit down with you is is because uh, when I uh, started reading up on you and for whatever I have heard about you and about Echo, uh, one, I realized you've been at this much before this became cool. <laughs> uh, and, and, and secondly, uh, <clears throat> it, it looks like quite a roller coaster ride for you in, in your journey of building Echo and coming to where you are, which is uh, 20 million customers, six, 650 crore worth of transactions every month, and of course the famous Bill Gates visit to, to your office. Uh, it, you know, of course FinTech is cool now, like I said, but you've been at this for a really long time. So, so welcome to Outliers, Abhishek. Thank you so much, Pankaj. Thanks a lot uh, for having me here. Uh, let's start from the start. <laughs> uh, so where do you come from and how did Echo happen really? So, uh, you know, uh, I've been born and brought up in Delhi. Uh, my family's lineage is from Bihar. So we have lived in Bihar uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and uh, uh, and I went back to Bihar for my engineering to Birla Institute of Technology, Mesra, which is close to Ranchi. And after that, uh, for two years, I worked for Satyam Computers uh, in Hyderabad. Uh, and in 2002, I started my first company called 6D Telecom Solutions. Uh, it was started uh, along with a colleague from Satyam, and then uh, my couple of batchmates from BIT joined. And this was a telecom software company. We would uh, create software products and sell it to telecom operators. Uh, there was no, absolutely no grand vision. You know, it, it all got started because we thought we could uh, build something. And you know, when, when your salary is not even 10,000 rupees a month, not that that was bad. Uh, because in hostel, one would get about 1,000 rupees a month or less than that. And so 10,000 rupees really made me feel like probably the richest guy in the world. So we had a lot of fun, but uh, you know, and, and just in that continuation of, of that theme of having fun, 
we said, yeah, why don't we make some quick buck? And you know, young guys, uh, how else can they think? And that's how 6D got started. Uh, you know, you, you can imagine that when the first check of 14 lakh rupees came, we felt as if we have cracked the damn thing. <laughs> so it was, uh, uh, it was very interesting. Uh, it only dawned upon us when we got further into the journey that uh, that we want to do this, we continue to build this company. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's when, you know, from, as, uh, you know, uh, Amrish from Nolarity uh, puts it across, we moved from level one in Mario Brothers to level two. <laughs> And uh, and suddenly, you know, there were a lot of adversaries uh, coming our way, and uh, and that was interesting. It sixty uh, was a complete roller coaster, everyday survival story. I mean, this was a company which got bootstrapped by credit cards and personal loans because there was no concept of VC then. I probably did not even uh, we were probably not even introduced to the term venture capital. In, in 2002 and uh, so there was no grand visioning we just got started and uh, but this this whole you know uh, this whole element of working with friends working 24 cross 7 was so much fun and and it was so full of of you know you always indulging in a conversation around creativity let's do this let's do that let's create this that was that was infectious and and which is so true uh, you know let me digress because uh, a bit I, I was reading this interesting book uh, uh, it's unwrapping the giant hairball or something like that I missed the exact name very interesting book uh, and the author talks about uh, you know that when you walk into a, a, a a preschool class and you ask the students that who is indulging in painting, drawing, singing, dancing and almost 100% of the class raises their hands. But the moment you keep going to the higher classes and by the time you, you reach the fifth class, it's just maybe a handful of students who are raising their hands, uh, you know, and saying that they indulge in painting, drawing music, dance, whatever. And so that's very interesting, you know, in a very systemic way, we kill creativity <laughs> in our schools. And, and uh, you know, in your, in your young 20s, and it's a, what an amazing age it is to be in, uh, and to indulge again in something which is creative, I think got back to us as if we were in our preschool. You know, because those emotions actually came out, and and we would always feel excited about it, irrespective whether we were on our credit cards and personal loans and all of that financial uh, mess which we ended up creating in those four and a half years while I was in sixty. Uh, I don't think so. Any of that really bothered us beyond a point. Uh, what did uh, was very exciting is the whole creativity bit. But I think, uh, you know, the journey is such that one tends to lose it because, you know, when revenues start to come, you hire people, 
uh, you know, the connect to the fun element starts to reduce. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I think the the mistake which we do is that we start to take life away way too seriously, you know, because you are suddenly you say oh oh now I am part of a race, and so I must compete, and and some of these new words start to get into the lingo, and when you look back uh, when you started, there was no lingo, there was no words like competition, you know. Competition, KRAs, appraisals, employees—none of those words. So it's—I think it—it it is indeed part of the evolution of an organization of an entrepreneur. But I think it is also, if you if you're not conscious to it, then you lose the fun and the creative part of it. Well, sixty was an amazing story, uh, and uh, you know. Uh, so I, I came out with this idea of Echo while I was in 60. But the investor then in 60 did not want me to continue building this idea within 60. So they said, they proposed that I move out. Uh, and so I moved out and started Echo in early 2007. So <clears throat> you moved out of the company you co-founded? Yes. Nice. <laughs> yes. And uh, so 60 is still there. They are doing wonderfully well. Uh, my co-founder, my friends continue to run 6D. Uh, but as far as Echo was concerned, you know, I, uh, we did have to take Echo out of 6D. And, and uh, so in early 2007, I moved out of 6D. That was in itself a very interesting moment in time because uh, as part of that exit, I had to sell my shares mm -hmm. to the investor. And uh, and I got an eight-digit check, <laughs> and that was so so life-changing, so transforming, so empowering uh, that uh, I, I remember that uh, I did not have the courage to go to the bank myself because my bank account was less than hundred rupees, <laughs> and that used to be the norm. I mean, that was not only true for me; it was true for most of us in sixty. And so I told my father-in-law that why don't you come along? And and actually, when I did present the the check, you know, the banker did look at me for an extra second or two <laughs> because he probably could see what was there in my account and the history of it. Uh, but that was very very empowering moment in my life. I think that was uh, it, it changed my thinking uh, quite a bit. The importance of wealth creation was something which I got introduced to, I experienced. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, we all come from, most of us come from fairly uh, middle class backgrounds, of course. Today the scenario may be different. Uh, and so, so we have all seen uh, how our parents uh, managed in very limited means. And suddenly, you know, you get a sum of money which is almost unbelievable. Uh, you've never seen that kind of uh, money. Uh, and, and, and so every day, I mean, we just couldn't figure out what to do. Uh, you know, I, I had just turned 30. So, 
I mean, it was how how I don't know how to explain this, but we did not even have money to walk into the barista across the road to have a cup of coffee in here. You know, every day my my younger brother Abhinav, who's my co-founder in Echo, uh, my wife uh, Mekla, and I would think, what what should we do? <laughs> we would end up, you know, in GK2. You have this restaurant called Chungwa. That was our our level of thinking. We couldn't even think of a five-star hotel. <laughs> But yes, I mean, there was a lot of indulgence, uh, you know, it was, and, and the reason why I say empowering is, is um, uh, I then had my son who was, uh, who was not even one, and then, uh, then in 2008, uh, I had my daughter, and so we ended up having two full-time help. And uh, if we flew somewhere, one of them flew with us and it was such it was so empowering to see uh, you know just as my first flight was has been memorable for me uh, their first flights were memorable for them and uh, if we would stay in a hotel they would stay there uh, in their own rooms and and that was a very fascinating experience even for them uh, so yeah, I, I I completely you know I I tell this to entrepreneurs that spillage is never bad, even if you end up having ten cars, you'll end up having ten drivers, and you'll <coughs> hence end up transforming ten more lives, which is always good. Uh, so so we started Echo in late two thousand seven, and. Uh, and that was very interesting because uh, two, three things drove us to this whole idea of Echo. One was that, uh, you know, uh, this was a B2C business, while 60 was largely B2B. And uh, one event which truly inspired me uh, or influenced me significantly was Vodafone's acquisition of Hutch. And that was for little less than $20 billion. And I think every subscriber of Vodafone was valued at a incredible 500, 700 US dollars. So, so clearly there was a lot of value creation when you start to do a B2C business. So that was one. The other was, uh, you know, in, in 6D, whenever we would go to an investor, the investor would say, uh, how are you guys different mm -hmm. than your competition? And, you know, as uh, as not so mature, largely foolish youngsters, our answers would be, we would end up explaining more features of ours, uh, our product, and we would say that, you know, these features are still not there with competition. And so this particular investor asked us that, okay, what if they go ahead and build all those features? How are you going to be still, you know, how are you going to still be different? And, and so when he asked this question again, you know, I was quiet. And, and that was, <laughs> I would say that that was my Steve Jobs moment or the beginning of, of the journey of starting to think different. So, so I remember that 
that Abhinav and I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, different ideas and what we could do uh, within 60. And finally, we did uh, end up with Echo. That's how Echo got conceptualized. And uh, and you can imagine that that uh, as co-founders we had absolutely no understanding of financial services. I remember that initially Echo had four co-founders and one of the founders was a senior uh, gentleman who had a lot of banking and payments experience and, and he asked us the definition of credit and debit and we got it wrong. <laughs> so, so that was our level of understanding of financial services. But I think, you know, it is, it is that sheer raw energy of being a young guy, uh, you know, your naivety, your, your, uh, you are limited by your knowledge to create a grand plan, yeah. even if you want to. You know, because if at all I would have ended up creating a grand plan, I don't think so I would have ventured into creating Echo. Because then I would have, it would have dawned upon me that that uh, you know it's a different ball game to do a b2c business retail distribution business retail marketing and you can never do that with with uh, you know maybe a crore or two crore rupees <laughs> you would need uh, tens of crores of rupees to be able to do that uh, and i think uh, i think the fact that we were not able to do much of it but we were truly driven by by this, I would say, complete raw energy, but pure thought uh, of creating a B2C business, creating a business where, you know, we were very influenced by how prepaid talk time worked. A customer could just walk into a retail store, give cash and return, get a talk time on their phone. It was fairly magical. And for us, we said, okay, why don't we give cash to a retailer and get electronic money in return? That was your idea of branchless. That was my initial <coughs> idea. The branchless got added because when we when we incorporated the company, we realized that that we needed a license. <laughs> and and uh, again, I think I think it, I think we were not smart enough to see through the regulations and the policies of the country. Then, it's a different. Uh, times today uh, with respect to fintech but uh, but in, in late 2007 there was absolutely no regulation around prepaid wallets you couldn't create a account and uh, and so we had to partner with banks there was a regulation then which was not very popular it's called the business correspondent model and uh, and it simply said that business correspondents are third party partners of the banks uh, who could source and service customers on behalf of a bank beyond the branches and our creative interpretation was that oh that means that we could be white label service providers on top of a bank while uh, that was our interpretation that was not the bank's interpretation and uh, so we did go through our own ups and downs. You know, we partnered with Centurion Bank of Punjab. The day we were supposed to go live, uh, 
you know, just the day earlier, uh, it got announced that they were going to merge with HDFC. So, so we did go live, but uh, but you know, we got very clear instructions from HDFC to shut it down. And so, by October of 2010, uh, 2008, we had shut down. We had no business. We practically had no money. And uh, and that's when Bill Gates happened. So <laughs> the richest man of the world comes in when you have no money. When I have no money and I have uh, nothing to really show. I mean, you know, we our service had shut down. And but. But we were able to demonstrate to him what we were doing, and and he made some very interesting remarks. Uh, once he got what we were doing, he said that that we were essentially creating a more efficient infrastructure for banking than what is currently available. And he said that while we may be posturing this model for low and moderate income segments. If the infrastructure becomes efficient, then everybody else will also come on to a more efficient infrastructure. And we are seeing that in, in the fintech space today. You know, with the disruptions uh, like Paytm, uh, you know, there are now 30 plus companies in the alternate lending space. We are seeing some of that happen. Uh, but. Uh, you know, it says a lot about the guy when he could see a glimpse of it and could join dots to a future uh, which we couldn't see. So, very interesting you mentioned this, Abhishek. Just hold on your uh, your thoughts. Uh, <clears throat> how well have you been able to capitalize on the opportunity that perhaps you were looking face to face? those days right if if you look at this whole wave <coughs> that we are seeing now in the fintech space and how far we have come when you see this what is the feeling you get is it a sense of missing out on opportunities or is it a, so how how do you look at it do, do do you feel you you partly lost out or do you feel you have survived and now um, so I'm just trying to understand sure no, thanks a lot for asking me that question you know and I don't have a very uh, simple answer to that question I think uh, when we started we did see this as a huge opportunity when we were confronted with the realities that others came about and started doing much better than what we were doing I did have this feeling that we missed out uh, Having said that, today I believe that things are again changing significantly. And I would uh, attribute a lot of change to, to what has changed in the regulation and the policy and what has changed in the public infrastructure space, especially you know, the assets being, being built by Aadhaar and NPCI. Uh, which at times we also collectively refer to them as India Stack, uh, and uh, and and some of this, you know, I'll not get into the details. But I think what is happening is, is that there are 50 crore people in this country, who are in the low and moderate income segments. This these 50 crore people today earn in cash, 
they don't earn electronically. Uh, while most of us earn once a month, in this category of customers, you'll have people who earn any anywhere from every day to getting paid once a month. And so it's a very large segment. And there are multiple sub-segments in this segment. And, uh, and thanks to some of this infrastructure which has come about and the regulations which have come about, sourcing and servicing of this customer segment, the cost has fallen significantly. You know, the cost, the cost appears because in the business process, if you have people and paper, that makes the cost high. And this infrastructure of Aadhaar and the financial switches by NPCI have significantly brought down those expenses. And, and so, so sourcing and servicing of a low-income customer segment has come down significantly or, or will come down significantly yeah. in the times to come. And that's what makes the proposition really attractive. The other thing is that you know, this is a customer segment which we refer to as the sachet segment. So if you look at the mobile network operators, they created the Chota Recharge. If you look at the FMCG companies, they created you know, the sachets. Nowadays, if you look at the, the mobile phone manufacturers, even they have created a sachet segment of mobile phones, you know, phones which cost less than 2,000 rupees, including smartphones. And so this is a segment which has not slowed down for the last two decades and will not slow down for the next two decades or three decades. You know, this is a segment which is only getting interfaced on technology now, thanks to smartphones, thanks to Aadhaar, thanks to the financial switches. And so, so if you look at the gap in FinTech for this customer segment, you don't have sachet equivalent financial products or payment products for this customer segment. Let me give you an example. You don't have a five rupee average balance account. Sure. You have a zero uh, balance account and then you have a 5,000 rupee average balance account. Mm -hmm. Some banks do offer 1,000, but you, see, you can see the gap. That's where the sachet segments have to come in. That's where the sachet products have to come in. That's completely missing. Okay. If you look at your credit card, you and I will get a 100,000 rupee credit card for a 45 day rolling cycle. The lowest denominator credit card in the country today is a 20,000 rupee credit card. You don't have anything from let's say one rupee to 20,000 rupees and a, and a rolling cycle of credit from let's say one day to 45 days. So imagine a credit card which is let's say a 5,000 rupee credit card with a rolling cycle of seven days. You don't have a, a product. Whether, whether it's a plastic enabled credit card or a app-based payment instrument. It's just missing. So that's the, that's the sachet category which is completely missing and hence that's the opportunity. Just to go back into your journey again, you did raise money, right? I mean, that was uh, <laughs> tens of crores like, like yeah, you call yeah. it. How and, was and that? Uh, so uh, our first round of funding actually, you know, uh, came in has, has grant funding from Gates Foundation and CGAP. 
CGAP is consultative group for assisting the poorest part of the World Bank. So they both collaborated and gave us uh, a just short of 10 crore rupees then. Uh, and that helped us survive 2009-10. In 2010, we raised money from a, from a newly established fund called 4B Capital. Uh, and unfortunately, they reneged on their commitment. <laughs> and, and so they said that they'll invest 30 crore rupees, but they eventually invested 7 crores and then couldn't complete the commitment. And, uh, and that was, you know, that was quite an interesting uh, experience for us because we were so excited, uh, you know, uh, we had just finished the integration with the core banking system of State Bank of India. And our transaction had sold from 20 lakh rupees a day, a month, to about 2 crore rupees a month. And, and that, that scale-up happened just in span of, say, 30, 45 days. So we were very excited about raising capital. Unfortunately, the investor couldn't complete their commitment. And here we started scaling up. And I think that was, uh, in hindsight, not a very smart move to make. And so we ended up, in 2011, early 2011, we ended up in an interesting scenario where uh, we had 5 crore rupees of receivables from State Bank of India. Uh, we had scaled up our team. The money did not come to us. <laughs> And, uh, and and so 4B did introduce us to uh, an investor creation investments, which eventually did invest in Echo. Uh, and, and this was a very interesting time because, you know, this was May of 2011. And uh, on a particular Saturday, 70 of our retailers came to our office. Uh, and started to ask for money. And when we explained to them that we don't have the money, and this is the reason we don't have the money, one senior gentleman from the group of retailers stood up and said that, Abhishek, are you facing cash flow issues? I said, yes, indeed, I'm facing cash flow issues. So he said that, you know, you guys are doing a good business. We want to continue to partner with you. Why don't you take 100,000 rupees from each one of us as refundable security deposit and solve your cash flow, but don't shut down business. So, and, and these guys were like your customers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Customers are asking you not to <laughs> yeah. shut down. Yeah. And that was such a strange experience because, you know, here we owed them money and, you know, not only to them, but to our vendors and various other people. And we actually, we actually, played this pretty much on front foot where we went ahead and wrote to each one of them saying that this is how much we owe to you and in, in so much timeline we'll try and pay you back. I think this is a very key lesson uh, Abhishek because a lot of young startups don't like we know about uh, the famous uh, Stazilla episode and so on right the, the vendors or the, or the customers I think it, dealing with transparency and like you said, on the front foot. Yes, I, I don't completely understand the Stazilla case while I have followed it, uh, you know, to make an opinion on which side I should be. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, the legal 
things did go a little bit yeah. too much uh, counter to Stazella's founder Yogi. I think that was a bit on the unfair side. Uh, but yes, I think what has absolutely helped us all through is to play this on the front foot by being transparent. That has always helped. You know, when, when, you, when you raise your hand and you say that you have made a mistake, you say sorry, uh, and you say that you need help, I have rarely come across people who have not offered to help. And this was such an amazing experience for us. You can imagine, we used to work out of Mandakni Enclave. It was literally a, a ground floor two-bedroom house with an attached garage, which was our conference room. And, and you had 70 people in that little house. And, uh, and so I, I did tell Abhinav that, you know, in case people do get agitated and let's say we are slapped, we shouldn't react. <laughs> But you know, it was magical that nothing of those things happened. When we, with folded hands, said that we are sorry, we handed out letters saying how much we owe to everyone, we gave them timelines, and those were not easy timelines, you know. We didn't have any visibility to when we will be able to raise money and all of that. And, and this senior guy, when we, when we asked for help, this senior guy got up and said, take 100,000 rupees from each one of us. There was a lot of learning for all of us, and definitely for me. Uh, you know, I think playing on the front foot and, and being transparent did help. Uh, nevertheless, you know, with all the support, so let me complete the story. With all the support, you know, uh, Sunday was a holiday, Monday, we were back in the office and Monday all of them actually came back again. We had very similar discussion on Monday, but I was surprised that, you know, Saturday it all ended well. Why have these guys come back on, on Monday? And when these guys were leaving, one of them came to me and said that the reason we are here today is we wanted to check if you guys are working. And we are very happy to see that you guys are fully working. Your team is, your entire team is here, you guys are working, you are in the office. That gives us the satisfaction that you are genuine in your efforts to correct the situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, you know, we did have to shut service for about 11 days or so. In the midst of all of this, we ended up uh, signing up with Creation Investments. They did invest uh, 30 crore rupees. Sorry, we got the money by early June. And we resumed the services. And, 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 and that's my story of how we raised money, how we raised 30 crore rupees. And that was the last time you raised yes. money ever? Yes, that was the last time. You know, people in this uh, environment will definitely call you unsexy. <laughs> uh, I have to, you know, uh, this is 2012 and uh, uh, we were having discussions with Bessemer. Oh yeah, famous. And uh, uh, Vishal Gupta may or may not recollect this, but they had this discussion with us. And, and they really liked the 
company like the conversation we were having and they said that and and so within the within the week itself they visited us three times the last day was maybe a thursday or a friday so they said that monday they will try and give us a term sheet sunday there was some announcement by the uh, uh secretary of financial services <laughs> which which completely derailed the conversation <laughs> so there was some policy intervention uh and and i remember that monday morning vishal called to say that they'll not be invest uh, able to invest in such a scenario and and you know that is what is scary about india you know that was like getting into mario brother level 3 where you know suddenly you have a new enemy <laughs> and uh, and and that was also very bad times for this business model of around business correspondent because i think uh, from 2012 onwards there hasn't been any significant funding in this space and for the investors this space became actually very toxic nobody would touch anyone because of the regulatory mayhem because of the regulatory and policy interventions so 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 it was one thing to be <laughs> and going through near death experience and now become untouchable absolute untouchable we also realized that that uh, uh working in an environment where the policy and the regulatory interventions were hurting uh definitely the policy i would say the regulation do, does move in the right direction even if it moves slow the the other challenge was that you know the banks in all of these years just couldn't get themselves to see us as partners mm. and 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 i must draw this analogy of of uh, google you know just like google created android and for distribution they open sourced the platform so i'm sure and and this is completely uh, my hypothesis that somewhere you know within google and google's management they would have discussed whether should should their uh, should companies like stc samsung be their distributors of the platform or should they be collaborators and, and somewhere the argument for collaboration would have won because today i don't think so stc and samsung see themselves as as distributors of android they actually see themselves as collaborators they are equally contributing uh, to the platform they are equally uh, you know and 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 they can they can own the platform it's not as if they have to they get a licensed copy of it which they have to replicate on their hardware and i think the banks uh the the bc model was very akin to this analogy because the banks had their core banking systems the licenses and and they could have also opened up their platform using apis and sdks and they did initially do that sbi did open it up through apis but unfortunately what they did is uh, down the line they actually went back to creating a proprietary user interface 
so they completely killed our engagement as collaborators or partners and 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 really turned us into distributors now for a tech company that's very difficult you know we want to value add through technology we want to bring in some frontline innovation but now we were completely stopped from doing it it's strange how banks still behave somewhat similar <coughs> i think all large yeah. organizations behave like that i think what google did with android was a very startup move by a large corporation you know you don't see that happening by either apple microsoft nokia blackberry none of them could pull that off so uh, just another thing abhishek as we move to the the last phase of questions that i have uh in fact you in in this conversation you have answered lot of questions i i wanted to ask so thank you for that sorry for the long answers <laughs> no 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 i mean uh, this is listening um uh, all these near death experiences and uh, everything else that you had to deal with as a founder how was your personal life uh you know coping with all of this and and uh, what were what were some of the key realizations on 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 the home front and uh, what did you learn as a human being as a founder entrepreneurs are also human beings right so how was that <laughs> you'll have to get my wife to speak with you on this and uh, i think uh, unfortunately it is your spouse who ends up being on the receiving end of it uh you know it's your vision and not there uh it's your purpose in life which you chase but it is not theirs and and in a in a age where every individual uh is so intellectually independent uh to expect them to make sacrifices for only one side of the partnership isn't very fair and so we don't we did go through our own uh, trouble times and uh, uh yeah that was i wouldn't say that was easy you know whether it is uh, financial constraints whether it is giving time to the family uh i think uh, i think it did take a lot of toll and uh, i would say that that uh, you know uh, what what brought us back to the track to a large extent was the fact that we were able to connect to to when we started our journey together and i think uh, in our troubled times you know it is not only in personal lives but even otherwise i feel that it is always better to revisit the time when you started the collaboration or the partnership because the the thoughts which got you know people together were very pure which is why you know it the partnerships when 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 husband and wife get together or when founders get together uh it's not 
after a lot of analysis it's more by gut feel it's more by very fundamental and simple connects not complicated analysis and i think you know we went back to to revisiting those times and that did help us uh, make sure that uh, we stuck around for each other uh, and uh, yeah that did help us a lot you know it's important point you make <clears throat> because whether it's entrepreneurial journey or any journey uh, going back to the f- first uh, you know set of <laughs> uh, directive you know the, the thing that brought you together always always helps yeah those thoughts have are very pure yeah. you know the virginity of the idea is is still there yeah yeah the excel sheets haven't played their role as yet <laughs> yeah. so <clears throat> so on a final note uh, abhishek from where we are today uh, and you are today echo uh, do you foresee more near death experiences uh, what is where do you want to if if we sit down a decade uh, after <laughs> what is that we will be discussing i think i think uh, you know we got we got the we got the first experience of getting into level 4 when we were hit by demonetization <laughs> and this time around i i you know after a long times did feel uh, truly scared that uh, that you know my business may actually shut down and and to my miraculous sur- surprise and 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 now you know it has it is statistically true that we haven't died in our <laughs> <laughs> multiple near death experiences so so hopefully the statistics will remain and and you know we still have uh, a few lives left in in the nine lives <laughs> <laughs> you are so <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, we were hit by demonetization uh, you know uh, that was followed by uh you know we had a very interesting experience post demonetization where seven income tax officials walked into the office uh and said that you guys have done cash transactions and we run a wallet which gets funded by cash uh and so they they walked in at 6 o'clock in the evening and walked out at 6:30 in the morning uh asking us all kinds of data uh so so i think uh, you know as you grow as you keep increasing in the <laughs> in the levels i think i think the game becomes a lot more fun uh in terms of the new enemies or the new adversaries you start to experience and i think you, you know uh, at least i am driven by i have become conscious to this that i am driven by the uniqueness of the experience rather than uh you know the good and bad of the experience mm-hmm. i have definitely you know how many of us have actually experienced income tax officials in your office for 12 12 plus hours not many okay not me so, so so that's an interesting experience to savor I, those moments are not always easy but i guess i guess uh, you know i i want to go back to this thing that it is so important for us to remain creative uh 
it is in our mindsets you know it is so important to be young uh, to remain creative because you know I, I don't know i'm sure you would have come across this post uh, you know in one of those whatsapp forwards and facebook posts that where it shows that uh, you know there is earth and then there are some planets which are bigger and then bigger and then bigger and and so earth starts to look like a dot and if really we are so inconsequential in the larger scheme of things then my take is that the only purpose of life should be to have fun right <laughs> i don't know how much i can do much <laughs> well, well. so let's just have fun well, well. A- and uh, and i don't want to lose that and uh, and and for me 10 years down the line i think the opportunity is just opening up in many ways you know f- 50 crore people that's almost like 80 plus uh plus percentage of the working population of the country earns in cash so so you know the so look at the banks the wallets everybody who's on the digital side everybody whose capitalization would add up to billions of dollars are catering to maybe less than 20% of the economically active population i i do realize that that their earning capacity may be equivalent to the rest but the rest we aren't even scratching the surface i mean just to give you a sense of numbers the business what echo does where you know all our 100% of the funding of the wallet happens with cash and the dominant transaction from our wallet is domestic money transfer you know this cash by the way also happens we have very similar services in kenya pakistan bangladesh so if echo claims to do 650 crore rupees of transactions a month in these three countries businesses are doing anywhere from 700 crore rupees to to maybe 12 to 1500 crore rupees of transactions a day indian rupee equivalent we are a much larger economy uh, you know much larger cash economy as compared to these company uh, countries so so you can imagine the the opportunity which which lies ahead uh so yeah, i think i i don't think so that we would have answered everything in the next 10 years i think there would still be uh many more things to do uh and i think we will see uh you know both up, upward waves and downward waves when it comes to fintech i think it will see its own waves yeah some of us will will survive some of us may not but i think all of us will contribute to the story going ahead yeah yeah no, that's a good good way to look at it we should meet every 5 years we should <laughs> for this conversation <laughs> <laughs> but we should be more often we should uh, thank you so much uh, abhishek it it's always uh, i mean very enlightening to sit down uh, with the warriors like you and listen to <laughs> the experiences more power to you and all the best thank you thank you so much uh, pankaj thank you so much for for having me on this yeah yeah all the Thanks best thank you